Welcome to the C12 Podcast. My name is Matt, and today we have Alex Carney in our third week of our series called Miracles. Last week, we took a break from our normal time together at C12 to jump into seven nights of prayer, and God definitely showed up in big ways. Um, This week, we're going to take some time to reflect on what God has done, starting out with sharing some stories of how God has moved in the lives of people at C12. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. What up, C12? How we doing? Welcome to C12. Glad you're here. Uh, we're super glad you come on a Thursday night. Thanks for joining with us. Um, how are we doing tonight? Man, we should be way more excited. Today was like fall weather. Okay, who, who's, here, who's here for the fall, you know? The PSLs? Yeah, yeah, not me, not me, yeah, for sure. Hey, it's going to be back. It's going to be uh, uh, back from seven nights of prayer. Obviously, uh, we had seven nights of prayer last week. We were there engaging with that. Uh, and so tonight we're back jumping into the Miracles uh, of Jesus series. Uh, before I jump in, how many were there for the seven nights of prayer? Oh, come on. Wasn't it awesome to be a part of what God was doing in that room? And uh, in light of that, I think i just start out tonight maybe a little differently than what we normally do. I want to kind of honor uh, what God did uh, over seven nights and, and share a little testimony. So I'm going to invite DJ and Bubba. Can you guys get up for DJ and Bubba? I want you guys to come on up. You. <laughs> I'm going to invite DJ and Bubba on up. And uh, I just want to take a second. And, and if you don't know, these two are, are freaking rock stars uh, uh, in C12. And uh, come on, give it up for them. I want you to share a little bit of uh, over seven nights, you know, a, a takeaway, something God did in you. And, and I think for both of you guys, there's probably something powerful uh, inside of that. But I want you to share a, a little bit of, uh, of, what, <laughs> of what God did uh, last week. Friday was really when it hit me. Um, this dude, I don't even remember his name. Coach. Coach, yes. Um, Keely and I were talking, and it may have been Thursday night, I don't remember. Um, her and I were talking about something that I've been struggling with. Uh, my sister died in July. Uh, her heart, I mean, her lungs ended up shutting down from cancer treatment. And since then, I've been really uh, struggling with my walk and faith. And this dude, super weird, didn't expect him coming out of nowhere. And he really, like, said a lot of things that really, like, I, I guess corrected a lot of the way that I was feeling. I mm. mean, there was a lot of resentment that I was feeling, and he he definitely helped me walk through that. I mean, that was, it was creepy, dude. I don't even know how to express <laughs> the feeling. <laughs> Sorry, that's all I got. <laughs> it was weird, weird, big takeaway. <laughs> well, it's awesome, and if you don't know uh, Bubba and his journey of, of what it means to go through uh, a grief, and I think a Coach helped you walk through that. And, and Coach helped you walk through that. And honestly, I'm inspired by you with your hands lifted up in worship and, and, and what you have, your posture in worship uh, into what God, even over the chaos and, 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 and going through a season of grief, losing uh, you know, a loved one, God is restoring things in you. And, and through grief, hey, you still lift your hands lifted high. It doesn't matter what I feel, God is still good. Um, and, and can we just thank God for what God's doing even inside his own heart in that? DJ, I want you to share a little bit, uh, even last week on, on Seven Nights. Okay, so something that really struck out to me during Seven Nights of Prayer is that God really sat me down and revealed to me that God wants to redeem you, not exchange you. Hmm. 
And a lot of the time, we wear a lot of hats, and we sometimes treat God like a filter on Instagram to see how many likes we can get, to see which caption is going to sound better. I don't know about you, but I can spend hours coming through or trying to think of a cute caption that would just make my photo seem a little bit better. And for a person that's always on the go, um, never study, I have to always go, um, it was really cool to see God, to see God put me in my place, hmm. to sit me down and remind me that I don't need to, I don't have to volunteer every week because at some point that does become like a check checklist. Hmm. Um, that spending time with him is just as important as anything else that I do. Um, prayer is actually one of my weakest um, gifts. Um, and it was really cool to intentionally set time. I think God blesses and it rewards those who really separates time hmm. to just enter his presence. And a lot of times I'm guilty of it. I will say, God, like, I need this, I need that, I need this, or I want that. But it was so beautiful to sit down and just thank him for where I'm at. A lot of y'all may or may not know, but know the story of how I came to 12 Stone. And it's honestly the most craziest thing ever. Because I was going through so much at the time, and I accidentally turned into 12 Stone on a Sunday morning. And... um. I was actually going to the mall with some friends, and the traffic was super heavy. And the police officer was like, all right, let's go, let's go. And I was like, okay, maybe. <laughs> and I um, turned in, we're all bumper to bumper, you know, it's a Sunday. And as we're all going through the parking, and I'm like, when well, I'm stuck, like, what am I going to do, like, back up and get out? And um, I saw everyone coming in. They were so bubbly and happy. And to see how God literally changed my life from one turning lane mm. and the opportunity that I get to like come out here and serve and love and meet all of you beautiful people, that was something that I didn't even pray for, but God blessed me with. And that gives me so much more strength and encouragement mm. to pray more because if he can bless me with the things I didn't even ask for, Imagine all the things that he's going to bless me with in the future that I do ask for. It's good. It's good. So. Come on. That's awesome. Hey, why don't you give it up for DJ? Give it up for Bubba. And just some kind of some takeaways from, from seven nights of prayer and just what God can do in you and, and how God can provide, how God can restore things. And, and, and there's one more I want to share. And, and some of you guys know, uh, some of you guys know Ryan here at C12 and, and, and God's been doing a lot in his life and, and uh, I just want you to check check out the video uh, behind the screen or behind me on the screen. Oh man, we can celebrate that. We can celebrate life change. We can celebrate what God can just do in people, and and, and these are the things that God did last week. And these are just testimonies of of God moving in and through people. And and I just want to take a second and just honor that. And just say amen to God and praise God for what he can do. And, 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 and maybe you're here tonight and you're wondering, like, man, could God do that for me? 
like, could, could God do like a miracle in me? Could God do something in my life? Could God transform something in me like he did for them? And, 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 and maybe right now you're in a spot where you're like, I, I don't know. I, just, I lack faith. I don't think that God could do uh, what he did in their life and do it in my life. I don't know that I could take that step and get baptized. I don't know that I could walk through maybe a hard time, walk through grief and see God restore things. I don't know that I could overcome some of the struggles. And, and here's the big thing I want you to know, that, that Jesus makes the impossible possible. Jesus makes, it sounds cliche, I know, Jesus makes the impossible possible. Like there's never a season in our life where we don't have some sort of battle or some sort of struggle. Like right now, you might be in a spot where there's just like a life situation that you're like, I don't know how this pans out. I don't know how I work through this. I don't know how this, this gets resolved. Maybe right now you're, you're, you're in a broken relationship. Maybe it's something with your friends. It's something with your family. Maybe they're even here in this room. Maybe uh, it's a mental health battle like the anxiety and the depression that like weighs upon you. You're like, I, I don't think that I'll ever be set free from it. Maybe it's addictions to pornography and lust. Maybe it's wounds from your past. It's lies that you believe about yourself. Maybe it's the stress and the pressure that consume, consumes you and it's the emotions that now just drive your life. You all have that one thing that you feel like it's impossible to overcome. And tonight's gonna be a little bit more personal. Tonight's not going to be my most uh, polished sermon. It's not going to be the most uh, put together, if you will. This is just going to be more of my raw, organic thoughts just as I journal. And, and tonight we're going over Jesus feeding the 5,000. And, and this is not going to be, hey, here's some really well-polished, uh, crafted thing that I've sat in for five years. This is just more of, this is literally me journaling out and typing out uh, uh, what I have just sat in, in Jesus feeding the 5,000, and this is just my raw, organic thoughts. And, and I hope tonight encourages you. I hope it inspires you, and, and maybe that's what you'd want anyways. Maybe you want more of the raw, authentic, organic version uh, anyways, um, but we're going to jump in. And most of us, uh, you know, come from different upbringings. We come from different churches. We come from different environments. Maybe you didn't follow Jesus at an early age. Maybe you're new to faith. And, and, and when you hear about, like, the miracles of Jesus, you're like, yeah, yeah, like, I guess. But I, I don't know that I, like, really believe that on, like, a, a deep level. Uh, and, and how many of you are like, man, I just, I, sometimes I just struggle to see, like, the power of God. Like, I struggle to see, like, what God can do. I struggle to see, like, God do miracles. And, and if you're like me, sometimes you just, you, you struggle with that. Like, I, I know that there's times where, like, intellectually, I know what that story says. Like, I read it, sure, like, great, it, it's the Bible, it's true, but, like, on a heart level, do I really believe, like, man, if I saw a miracle in the room, man, what, what would that do to my faith? And sometimes, it, you know, it can be easy to, be, to become a skeptic over the miracle in somebody else's life because you don't believe that Jesus could be a savior to yours. And you get so skeptical about every other miracle because you haven't seen breakthrough in your own life. And so tonight is just, this is going to be personal. <laughs> this is going to be whatever you hear, if it's blunt, uh, maybe <laughs> unpolished, this is how uh, I, I process in my alone time. This is just kind of thoughts from my own journal in this passage. And, and, and I think sometimes the sermons you preach best are the ones that you need most. And the, the things that you need most and the things that uh, are so deep to you. So we're jumping in uh, and we're, we're believing uh, that, and we know that God can still do more miracles. <laughs> We don't need to be driven by our feelings or experience to drive our belief about God. I think we, we can allow truth and expectation to be the driving force that God can and will do more miracles. God is in the business of that. 
God is in the business of immeasurably more. So let's jump in. We're going to jump into Jesus uh, feeding the 5,000. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, it, it, it's in the book of Matthew. Uh, if you want, it'll be up on uh, the screen behind me. So, and, and Jesus feeds the 5,000, verse 13. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. He said, bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Okay, let me give you the context of what's happening. So this is Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now this is right after okay, John the Baptist being beheaded. Who the heck is John the Baptist? John the Baptist was known as a guy who's preparing the way for Jesus. And when King Herod heard about Jesus, okay, he sent out someone to kill and behead John the Baptist. So John the Baptist was ultimately beheaded for following Jesus. And as soon as Jesus heard this news, okay, this is immediately after, and even other translations, the NLT, it says that he went to go be alone. So he took a boat privately to go be in prayer by himself. Upon hearing this horrible news, prayer was his first response. Prayer was the first thing that he did. It was not his last resort. It was not after he vented to the disciples. It was not after he, he was kicking and screaming and throwing rocks into the lake. This prayer was his immediate reaction. We have to keep in mind, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. He's human. He has emotions. He went to God in prayer. He went to the Father to be alone with him, to pray, to process, to mourn, to be in his presence. See, first thing, prayer is where you process. Prayer is where you process. See, we might not have that view uh, about prayer. I might not see prayer like that. And I'm sure there were some honest conversations that were happening between Jesus and the Father on that boat. I can imagine. Hearing that news, now you have to go on a boat, and this is like immediately right after. I'm sure all the emotions are raging on the inside. And what is that for you? Is prayer your first response, or is it your last resort? Do you, do you do it after you do everything else? <laughs> Maybe after you talk to your friends, you, uh, you FaceTimed your mom, you texted how people, like what you really feel, but you would never say it in person. Maybe you, you, you vent, you emotionally dump on others. It makes you feel better, but if you're in God's presence, you would get better. We feel better by dumping, but we didn't seek God's peace in prayer. And I wonder if we sometimes share more with our friends than I do with God because processing raw emotions doesn't feel right with God. Like it doesn't feel like something I should do. It feels like, oh, it's not uh, structured enough. It's not sacred. I'm not, you know, maybe you, you, you view your prayer time as coming to God and holy art thou thee, holy Lord. And you're like, what am I saying? What am I, what do I even believe? What's happening right now? And maybe you have this false idea of what it means to, to really pray. Sometimes we, we process our emotions with others because sometimes our hurt and our disappointment is with God. 
so we don't even go. Wow, it feels awkward. It feels awkward to bring my hurt and process God with God. That, to me, feels awkward. And there might be a, a thing in your life that caused that. Like, why did you allow that to happen? If you're so good and loving, then why would you do that to me? Why didn't it work out like I prayed for? Maybe you've been hurt by the church, and that's really jacked you up. Maybe something tragic happened in your life, and it's messed your view of God. Maybe it, it just it, it feels awkward bringing these things to God that you know are like, ugh, like it's just, this is about you. So I feel awkward talking about you with you. And so we walk around eggshells in prayer. And then we're trying to be too rigid and formal rather than vulnerable and authentic. We try to have this structure with God more than just being real with God. I mean, look at what it says. This is in Psalm 44. I have this on the screen. This is, this is a, a prayer from David when they were in exile, meaning that there's another nation that was uh, uh, kind of owning them, controlling them, and they were not in a spot where they were winning as a nation. And, and David goes on to say, all this came upon us, though we had not forgotten you. We had not been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed from your path. But you crushed us and made us haunt for jackals. You covered us over with deep darkness. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would God not have discovered it? Since he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? How many have had those moments with God? Like, hello, <laughs> like, wake up. Like, do you not hear anything I'm saying? Like, I'm talking to you. I'm praying to you. I'm being here with you. Why show up in private if you don't come to me in private? Ever have those moments? Why should I pray if I don't hear anything? Why talk to God if he doesn't talk back? Why even come and be with God if you're not even going to show up? This is in Psalm 109. This is a, a, a prayer from David, again, uh, of being overrun, being in distress. He says, Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemy. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him be found guilty. And may his prayers condemn him. Gosh, David. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Dang, David, chill out. <laughs> may his children be wandering beggars. May they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all that he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. May no one extend kindness to him or, or take pity on his fatherless children. Dude, if you heard that prayer, you're like, you're, you're weird. <laughs> like your, your prayer is like, that's wait, you're, are you okay? Like something's wrong with you. Like you basically want this guy to die. And in fact, on top of that, well, I hope your kids don't ever have a new dad. I hope they become fatherless. And on top of that, I hope your wife remains a widow and hope she never remarries anybody. Like this is, this is such a, like, a, 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 man, if you're on the other side of that prayer, I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to be on the other side of David's prayer. Like imagine praying that today. Imagine having that type of prayer. Like you're in a small group and you're like, oh yeah, God, I just pray for the guy across the circle. Yeah, would you shorten his days? Like I hope he dies, honestly. Uh, I hope he never finds a wife, never has kids, you know. Uh, I hope he, next flight he's on actually crashes, you know. Probably be spirit, to be honest. Uh, I hope he's homeless, never finds a job. I hope no one, I, I just hope you pray you don't forgive his sins, honestly, because God's a total loser. Uh, God, we all hate him. So in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> like, you would never pray that prayer. Like, you would never say that out loud, but I'm sure you, like, at one point felt it. Like, there's probably at some points where you're like, I would never say it, but I kind of feel that. Like, man, if I could, if, I, if it felt like a prayer, I'd pray that. 
Like I would, I don't know, I'd Conor McGregor someone. I would RKO them in my prayer life. Like, I don't know. I would, I would just be so mad, so full of rage. And what is David known for? David was known for being a man after God's own heart. Crazy that he would pray something so raw, so authentic, so unpolished, so organic, so almost awful, and yet God sees him as a man after God's own heart. You see, over the last 18 months, you know, my, my prayers, honestly, I think have become less structured and a little bit more organic. They have become, uh, and at some points, just raw emotions. A lot of you guys know my story, and, and I was in the residency for a year and four months. I stepped out and came back, and when I was in the academy, those were really, really horrible months. And when I got back from uh, into the residency, by the grace of God, that's a whole other story in and of itself, but uh, there were things that I had to go to counseling for that I never knew I had to go to counseling for. And I remember uh, at one point being so overrun with, with symptoms of what is known as called derealization disorder that I remember talking to God and I said, God, if I'm back, why do I, I feel like I'm a vegetable. Like I don't even feel like I'm here. And I would have conversations with people and they're like, man, this mental health battle I'm going in. I'm like, yeah, dude, same. Like I, I'm not telling you that in person, but I'm feeling that in my life. And, and it's like, how do, I, how do I lead when you bleed? How do, you, how do I still follow Jesus when you feel like you're constantly bleeding? <laughs> Prayer is where you process. And I think that we waste more time trying to be right at prayer instead of being real with God. We waste way more time trying to be right at prayer. I gotta pray the right things. I gotta have the right format. I gotta say the right things. I gotta come with the right verse. Or you might look at somebody uh, and how they pray in public and then you feel like you have to mimic that in private. So you want what the intimacy that they have, but what you end up stealing is the structure of how they do it. And you're like, well, I don't have the fruit that they have. That's because it's not you. Pray as you would pray. Doesn't need to sound all polished. Doesn't need to sound all theologically correct. God didn't want some version of you. He just wanted you. God is not insecure. He can handle your worst days and your worst thoughts and your most, and your most brutal prayers. God already knows it. So you might as well as go ahead and say it. You can't hide a thought or a feeling from God because he created you. He already knew it. So you're like, well, if God already knows, then why should I say it? Why? Because God wants you to say it more than he needs to hear it. Prayer is about God's presence, not about just saying a prayer. So you would engage with who God is. So prayer is where you process too. Jesus surrendered his emotional needs for great compassion. Jesus surrendered his emotional needs for great compassion compassion. Look what it says in, in, in verse 14. It says, when Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed the sick. So he put aside, I mean, just look at the context of what's going on. So John the Baptist was just beheaded. Now he's going by a boat privately to be by himself. And now thousands of people want to rush and be around him. So this is a story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, but what it's not taken into account, that it was the 5,000 men so you're not taking account the women and children. So you could be talking 10,000, tens of thousands. As soon as he withdraws in private, he wants to be by himself and mourn, to pray, to process, to be alone with God. And now thousands of people rush around him. I don't know about you, but if I'm having a bad day, I don't want you around my face. <laughs> you probably feel that too. You're probably like, man, if I have a bad day, I don't want people around me. I don't want people surrounding me. I don't want like hundreds of people be like, hey man, and they say the wrong thing at the wrong time and it catches you off guard. And you just want to be by yourself. See, this point might be a little bit more convicting than it is comforting. 
Because Jesus is, is in prayer, he's processing, he's mourning, he's being with God, and thousands of people come to him. See, what he could have done is that he could have gone just to be way with his disciples. He could have hid, he could have just been by himself, he, 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 he could have just sat there in prayer, but Jesus decided to surrender his emotional needs so he could meet theirs. I'll say it again, Jesus decided to surrender his emotional needs so he could meet theirs. Let's just camp here for a second. Let's talk about emotions. Some of you are like, yeah, next point, next point. <laughs> Can we move on? <laughs> Let's be honest. I think that our generation, we're really good, when it comes to our emotions, we're really good at treating symptoms rather than knowing the cause. We're really good at treating the symptoms of why we feel what we feel rather than getting down to the root of it. So like, what are the triggers? What are the things that, that come in your life? I thought we'd just have a little fun with it. What are the things that like, man, these are the things that make me, these are things that make me mad. These are the things that make me sad. Now what this is not, this is not like a, oh, well, this is my pet peeve. This is not like, I hate when people put their feet up on the table. This is not that type of thing. I'm talking about triggers of like, hey, these are the things that actually, these, these uh, if you push that in my life, it's just something's gonna, something's gonna rise up within me. I'm gonna get mad, I'm gonna get sad. What is that for you? We can just uh, shout it out loud. We can just go with anything. Invalidation. Keep going. Say it again. Flakiness. Ooh. Keep going. Let's go more. Say it again. Lies. Disrespect. Do another one. Say what? Rudeness. Y'all, I have a 10% hearing loss in my right ear, so let's just. <laughs> Entitlement. Let's do one more. When they, won't, when they won't talk about it? Ooh. When they won't talk about it. These are some, and maybe you got your own list. You're like, man, these are the things that make me mad. These are the things that make me sad. These are things that just, these are the triggers in my own personal life. Maybe it's invalidation, it's flakiness, it's lies, it's disrespect, rudeness, entitlement. When they don't, uh, uh, when they don't uh, tell, when they don't talk about it, when they don't share uh, things that are, that are going on, the, the kind of lack of confrontation. Maybe, maybe there's other things that like, these are, these are things that just really bother me. This is what makes me mad. This is what makes me sad. And see, we can, we can have these things in our life and we don't know why they're there. Like maybe, maybe there's just things that are, that are, that are in our life. There, when it comes, if we're really honest, when it comes to the emotions that we face, they can often dictate and dominate and run our life. And so we can view everything as a problem. Everything's an issue. Every season just so happens to be a bad season. Every week's a bad week. Every Thursday's a bad Thursday. Every time, every day, something comes up. There's just some issue. There's just something, and you're like, oh, my day sucks. Well, this is what happened at work, and she's a loser, and this is what's going on in my family. Well, here's a tea with that. Here's the thing with my friends. Here's, a, here's what happened, you know, when I was out in traffic today. It's like you can just pile up a list and talk about everything negative, talk about everything that is just somehow an issue, a bad thing, and, 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 and you go throughout life just feeling like everything is just a winter season for you. Everything is just, well, I'm just always in a bad place. I'm always always in a bad spot. I'm always, I'm always, this is just, this is not what I want it to be. See, we, we know that sometimes our emotions can run our life and we don't sit in them long enough to know why they're there or where they come from. Why are they there and where they come from? Maybe they're too painful. Maybe they're too uncomfortable. They're too personal. They hit deep wounds from your past. 
Perhaps they're too real. Listen to me, hang with me. We have, I really believe, that we have built a better stamina at running from our emotions than we've built a strength to face them. We have built a better stamina at running from our feelings and our emotions than we have built a strength to actually face them. What did Jesus do in private? He, he prayed and he processed and he had to surrender his emotional needs so he could have compassion on theirs. It takes a lot of emotional maturity. He went from mourning to having compassion on others. He went from, he went from uh, hurting to now healing other people. He helped people draw near to himself and saying, hey, come to me. I want, to have, I want to love on you. I want to have compassion. He, he met their needs right where they were at. And we can't help lead others to help them take adult-sized steps in faith if we're still an infant in our emotions. We can't help people take huge steps in their faith, help them lead them towards Jesus if we're still at times feeling like we're an infant on our own emotions. It is impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Because the areas of our life that maybe this is a growing spot, maybe this is an immaturity that I have, are often the least touched by Jesus. And sometimes we need to surrender what our day has been. We need to surrender how our week has been going. We need to surrender what we feel about the situations in our life. Because if we don't surrender our emotional needs, we might miss out on the opportunities to have compassion on others. If I don't surrender my emotional needs, I might trade loving on you for lashing out on you because you'll get what was in here, which I didn't surrender in private, so now I'm going to lash it out on you when you can do nothing about it. And maybe you keep asking for that. God would put people in your life for you to bless. And in order to do that, you might have to surrender your emotional needs so you can care and have love and compassion on the people that are in front of you. When your first response is prayer, the overflow is love. When your first response are your emotions, your overflow is what's left over. God called you to love, not give what's left over. So let's not get wrapped up in our world that we can't see other people's needs. And in order to see what they need, I might need to surrender what I need. So Jesus surrendered his emotional needs to have compassion on theirs. The third thing. The miracle comes from God's hands. The miracle comes from God's hands. You see, in the disciples' hands, it's only five loaves and two fish. <laughs> like, this is, this is all they got. And I don't have enough to feed everybody. Like, Jesus, do you not understand math? Like, there are thousands of people here. I only have five loaves and two fish. What kind of DoorDash plan you got? I don't, I don't have a way to do this. Like, this is, this is all that we got. And if you look at the story in, in the version of the book of John, it shows that there was a little boy who, who gave five loaves and two fish. This was everything that he had. It wasn't a lot, but it was everything. And sometimes you don't feel like, oh, I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot to give. I don't have a, a, maybe a lot of influence. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot. Jesus didn't ask for you to have a lot. He asked for you to give your all. He asked for you to give everything that you have. And when you always hold it in your hands, of course, it's always going to be an obstacle. Well, Jesus, all I have are five loaves and two fish. Sure, but whose hands are they in? If it's in your hands, it's always an obstacle. If it's in Jesus' hands, it's always an opportunity. 
And we all have obstacles that feel giant in our life. And we're probably like, no, 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 Jesus is like, you don't get it. <laughs> like, you don't, you don't understand. Like, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm trying to work through. I'm not able to overcome this. This sin struggle, it's never going to go away. It's always just going to be a part of my identity. This, this thing in my life, I don't think that they're actually ever going to come to know Jesus. I don't think that he or she is actually ever going to be physically healed. I don't know that I can see the outcome or the end. I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. I feel hopeless in this area. I don't think anything's possible here. When you hold on to your thing and you have control over your thing, of course it's going to feel impossible. Because you don't have the power to change it. You don't have the power to change and transform by only what Jesus can transform. If you talk to any of our volunteers and leaders in this room, they'll tell you what Jesus has done in their life, and they'll take no credit for it. I didn't overcome because I was smart enough to do it. I didn't overcome because I was, I was strong enough to push through it. I didn't overcome because I feel like I could be self-righteous enough to get there. No, 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 no. Jesus came into their life, transformed them, changed them. That's the power of the gospel. Let's not get it confused. It is because of Jesus that things are possible. Miracles happen because of who Jesus is. And when Jesus wants to step into your life and transform you, anything's possible. He can take broken, lost uh, situations that you don't know are now possible, and when you put it in his hands, well, now I can feed thousands. <laughs> now I can overcome the thing that you've been wanting to overcome. Now that sin struggle that's in your life, yeah, yeah, I can do that by my power. When you put something in Jesus' hands, you remove it from being an obstacle to an opportunity. When you move it from being impossible to now possible, what you're doing is sometimes in, in, in private, we don't like to give it to Jesus because we kind of value control over humility. And I want to value having ownership over it because if I can control it, maybe I can figure it out. If I could hold it a, will, a little while longer, maybe I could somehow work through this. And I think Jesus invites you to humbly put it before him because he says, bring it to me. When they said, hey, all we have is five loaves and two fish, what he responded was, bring them to me. Bring what's impossible to Jesus. So he can do anything that you ask for. Now it's in his hands. He can give you the strength that you never thought you could have. He can give you the wisdom that you've been asking for. He can give peace that's unexplainable. He can heal physically. He can restore broken relationships. He can heal emotional wounds. The miracle that wasn't possible in your hands is now possible in Jesus' hands. And oftentimes we hold it because we just want a sense of ownership. See, everybody wants a miracle in their life. You just don't want to be in a spot where you need a miracle in your life. I want Jesus to move. I just don't want to be in a spot to ask for it. I, I, I want Jesus to move in and through my life. I just don't want to really come to God and, and, and ask for the things that I really should be asking for. And the miracle, what you see in Jesus feeding the 5,000 is that the miracle is the whole story. You think, well, no, the miracle is only when he gave the fish and the, and the bread to people, when he fed the masses. No, 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 the miracle started with prayer and it ended with Jesus giving thanks to God. He came to God in prayer. That's how this story of the miracle happens. He came to God in prayer, and when he, he gave thanks to God by breaking the bread, he lifted it up towards heaven and gave thanks. And sometimes we get so focused on the climax of a miracle, and that's what we use to, have, to evaluate whether miracles are happening or not. 
when I think God wants to invite you to look behind the scenes on what's really happening, this whole story is a miracle. That God might be working, he might be working behind the scenes in your life. He might be doing things that you don't see. That's the miracle, you just don't see it. He might be moving in areas that you don't think that he is. He might be working things out while you're in a waiting spot. He might be giving you grace and love and peace in areas that you don't feel like you can comprehend. But Jesus is working all things out together for his good. He is working things out together for his good. God loves you. God wants to restore you. God wants to move in your life. The miracle is possible. It just might be in progress. The miracle just might be in progress. I haven't hit the climax yet. Yeah, that's okay. You keep praying. You keep waiting. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. You keep leaning into what God has for you. And sometimes you need to know what's happening behind the scenes. So I'm going to invite Patrick. I want you to come up and, and play um, some keys for us. And, and I don't know what it is that, that you're in. And, and oftentimes we, we grow up in church and we, we just kind of hear these stories again and again and again. We kind of hear, uh, well, yeah, I've heard that story before. I've heard this thing before. I, yeah, I just don't think that, oh, you know, Jesus could really move a lot in my life. And, 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 and maybe there, God wants to reveal to you tonight, hey, maybe the miracle's in progress. Maybe God has still yet to do things in and through you. Maybe you're at the spot where you're at the beginning and Jesus is going to be alone in prayer and he's going to be in private to be with God. That Hey, maybe that's where the story begins for you. Maybe right now you're, you're overcome. You're overcome with sin struggles and you don't think you'll ever see breakthrough. When I say sin struggles, there's probably things that come to mind. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's lust. Maybe there's something in your life that you're like, this. I'm not ever going to be able to work through this. Maybe there's something you've been praying for for a really, really long time. Maybe there's just like an emotional journey that you're on. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. You've been betrayed by other people. You feel like other people have kicked you down and pushed you out. You don't feel loved on anymore. You don't feel valued. Maybe for you, you're, you're in a spot where you're like, I just don't even believe that God can do miracles. I don't believe that God could do immeasurably more. Yeah, Alex, I heard the Bible. Yeah, yeah, I read the passage before. Yeah, I grew up in church. Yeah, whatever. I, I just don't care. Maybe for you, it's also an apathetic spirit. And you just become so complacent. Yeah, God, sure, whatever. Maybe you in this room have a sense or maybe a calling to ministry. And you keep giving reasons and excuses as to why you're not called to it, why you're not fit for it. Maybe you feel like there's too many obstacles in the way to be able to get there. But if I just trust and I put it in Jesus' hands, I know that he would overcome that. I know that, that he would work all things out. I know that he would be able to, uh, to bring breakthrough in certain areas. 
maybe it's just at your workplace. Maybe it's in where you're at. Maybe it's in how you love other people. Maybe there, there are things that are, you feel like are just barriers. I'm never able to overcome this in my own faith journey. I'm never able to push through this. And I think what God wants for you to do tonight is to, hey, let me take that. Bring it into my hands. When it's in your hands, it's always an obstacle. The thing that you carry, the burden that you feel like you have to carry, the thing that weighs you down, the same sin struggle that you've had for years, the same thing that you always encounter, maybe the same broken relationships, maybe this thing in your family, you're like, we're just not the family like I want to be. Maybe you don't have friends like you want to. Maybe there's the community's not the same as it used to be. Maybe there's not a breakthrough in your prayer life. Maybe you don't feel God's presence. Maybe you're in a winter season. Maybe you feel hopeless or maybe mental health is just so overwhelming you. We all have our own thing that we feel like is an obstacle to us but it's an opportunity for God. Whose hands are they in? Maybe God is inviting you, hey, let that go. Let me take that from you. It's not yours to carry. It's not yours to own. I didn't put that on you. I want to take that from you so you could see a miracle. The miracle was only possible until they gave it in Jesus' hands. Maybe that's what God is waiting for you. You've been asking and praying and begging God for a miracle. And God's response to you is saying, sure, just put it in my hands. Come give it to me. Allow it to rest in me. So Ben, you can come on up. I want to take a time to pray over you. Pray over the things that you're in and your weeks. And, and we all have different struggles. We all have different things. We all have different things that we go on in through life and and maybe God just wants to give you a sense of his presence tonight that you haven't felt in a long time. Maybe God wants to give you a sense of rest. Maybe God wants to give you a sense of breakthrough. Maybe, maybe God wants to give you even just a word. Maybe it's his voice. What are the prayers that you've been praying for a long time? Maybe, God, God, I just thirst and I hunger for more of you. God, I want this to be more true about my life. I want you to intervene here. So I want you to hold your hands out just in a receiving posture. I want to pray over you. You can close, close your eyes, head bowed. Just put your hands out in front of you. What are the things that you're asking God to do? Maybe even right now, you just need to whisper that to God. Maybe you don't even know what it is. You don't even know what you're asking God for. Maybe you don't even know, well, God, what, what do I need saving from? Where do I need the miracle in my life? Maybe your prayer is just to ask for more of God. Maybe you need God to awaken you. Maybe there's things in your own emotional health that God wants to help convict and teach and comfort and counsel. Maybe you just need the Holy Spirit to come into your life and to speak things over you. Maybe you just need to hear the voice of God. Maybe there's things you feel like you have to carry. Maybe it is a call to ministry. God has put a calling on each of your lives. Maybe some of you in this room, you're wrestling with what God's called you to do. Maybe right now in this room, you're doing a different job and you know God's called you to do something else. And it's an obstacle to you. You don't know how to work through it. You don't know how to manage it. And God's inviting you, put it in my hands. Trust me. Wait for the miracle. 
So God, I just pray, Father, over this ministry. God, I pray over C12. God, I pray over the people in this room, God, who are, Father, perhaps, God, wrestling through different struggles. God, or perhaps wrestling through different things in their own personal life. And, and God, maybe they're just asking for breakthrough in a certain area. Maybe they're, they're asking for you to do the impossible. God, maybe they've stopped praying for you to do the impossible because they're so used to having things in their own hands. God, I pray that you would even awaken and shaken our faith. God, I pray if anything tonight, God, would you elevate our faith to believe and expect that there is more that you can do. God, that we want to say, hey, God, you can do immeasurably more in this room, in this ministry. God, there are things that you want to do. God, there, the stories of the Bible are not things of the past. They're not things that are just in a record book. God, we're not looking at the past. God, I pray that as we lean in and we beg for more of you, God, that the revival would become a truer sense for C12. God, that we would hunger and thirst for you. God, you would do things in us. God, you would, you would come and meet us. God, you would call us to places and to positions and things that we never thought that you would call us to. God, as people sit in this room, God, maybe they're wrestling through a certain thing and throughout their God, college years and they're trying to figure it out. What am I supposed to do? What major am I supposed to be in? What spot? Is this the right spot? And maybe they're trying to even distinguish what's your voice and what's their voice. God, I pray that you would speak so intimately to their heart. Oh God, if anything, would you awaken our faith? Would you elevate it? Would you raise it? God, you want to do miracles. You, Jesus, have the power to do it. And you gave us that power and authority that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, God, is now the same spirit that we have in us. You, Jesus, want to do immeasurably more. So God, I pray that we would put our hands open wide and we'd say, God, whatever you have, I just say yes. Whatever the obstacle is, God, I give it to you. God, you perform miracles, I don't. So God, we humbly come before you. God, you do miracles in this room. When it's in your hands, all things are possible. So God, elevate our faith. God, we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. As we finish the podcast today, I want to remind you to reflect on the question Alex gave us. Where is the area that you have given up on the miracle, but it's still in progress? And are you still knocking in that area? Are you still asking? If you would like to learn more about College of 12 Stone, give us a follow on Instagram at C12 Stone. Hope to have you join us next week at C12.